Well, we're in a period of increased uncertainty. The VIX is at 31%, the highest level since March. Crude's in a technical bear market, and the Japanese yen is the flavor de jour. We focus on all these markets and more as we assess the trade-off. Well, hi, my name is Chris Weston. I'm head of research here at Pepperstone. And I'm joined as always by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're going to be unpacking, we're going to be analyzing, we're going to be navigating all the landmarks, landmines, trends, and setups in this mad world of trading. So remember, if you like what you hear, do hit the like button. And it goes without saying, do your own research from what Blake and I are going to be saying today. And I want to bring Blake into the program. Blake, what on earth is going on? You've got inflation fears, you've got Jay Powell changing his tune on, tune on transitory. You've obviously got Omicron now, obviously making its way into the U.S. The market's apparently surprised by that. What's going on, mate? You know, it was a uh, and hey, Chris, how's it going? Good, Good to see you again. And I'll tell you what, the market was kind of steamrolled by the idea that the transformer uh, Omicron uh, landed on <laughs> Earth or in Los yeah. Angeles today. Yeah, and I don't know why. And obviously, really bad joke. How are people not? How, how did people not think that was going to happen? I know. I, I mean, I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, you know, if it's going around, should get here sooner or later. I mean, I, I think the markets are looking for reasons to actually be a little bearish right now or maybe take some profits. Let's just put it that way. Maybe take some profits. One of the things that I've noticed, Chris, and, and I'm sure you've noticed this as well. You know, I think the market, the, the, the stock market, which we're going to talk a little bit more in detail. Yep. I think the stock market is just kind of held up by a few, you know, wooden peg legs that it, you know <laughs> might have been knocked out today so i'm yeah. I, i'm i'm sitting there looking at the market going well it's not surprising and we've seen you know a, a tremendous underperformance of of commodity currencies and i know you and i we actually bantered on twitter today a little bit you and by the way for those of you that don't follow chris on twitter he's a wonderful follow on twitter oh, thank you probably one of the most underfollowed uh under appreciated underfollowed people on twitter but i just wanted to say that you know, you 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 made you made a comment to me about the peso, but these these emerging market currencies they were weak all day long, even when the stock market was up at its high. So when the headline came out, I was like, I wasn't really surprised a whole lot. It, yeah. it, it's like the FX market kind of snuff, snuffed it out early, but yeah, it's kind of crazy. You know, the market is actually responding to this this big you know swath of uh, of of virus news where you you guys know probably better than most that here in the US, we're not really all that affected by the virus. I mean, no. what are we going to do? Throw on masks again? I don't, I don't know. You're not going into lockdown. And I don't think here in Australia we are as well. But, mate, I just, I just look at what I'm seeing in the news flow and so much of it is contradicting each other and you just really don't know which way to do. So we'll find more information about that over the next week or two and hopefully we'll get some sanity or some clarity, I think is probably the best word to do that. But let's go and debate all these topics. Let's go into Topical Thunder. Well, Blake, I don't think you can really go past what's going on the dollar at the moment. Um, yeah, it's really, I mean, it hasn't really moved a huge amount. It hasn't seen the same sort of volatility that we've seen in crude. Equities, European and, and US and, and EM equities have, have really seen some life. Um, you know, you've seen lumber and, and that gas obviously coming to light again. And, and yeah, the, the dollar has sort of calmed down a little bit. But, you know, we've got this week, um, you know, on Friday, we've got non-farm payrolls number. And obviously with Omicron, uh, or Omicron, or could pronounce it a million different <laughs> ways. But, you know, obviously right. the, the, the question that we're asking at the moment, in any of if you'd gone back a week or two, Omicron, before before that became a big thing for markets, um, we were all debating inflation, the, you know, the, 
yeah, what happens at the, the FOMC, FOMC meeting, the, the pace of tapering, Jay Powell's obviously opened the bag to that one. Uh, and also, you know, when, when rate hikes are going to be going up at what stage in the pace in 2022. And we would have been very sensitive to the payrolls, been very sensitive to the CPI numbers that are coming through. And with, with payrolls in mind and, and with Omicron giving us a bit of a cloud, I guess, over that situation, what are you thinking um, as your playbook for the dollar into, into payrolls? And ultimately, do you think it's going to be as sensitive to the numbers as perhaps we would have done a week ago? Well, you know, I think you can take those job numbers and you can shove it, Chris, because I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) No, but no, I don't know. In all actuality, you know, we were we were talking about this with my colleagues today and with with the Forex analytics community. It's like the jobs report. Is it really that important? I think as long as the data stays elevated and we we are within you know, within expectations, you know, the, the jobs are, what are, what are, what's the market looking for? 550,000 jobs, roughly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if we create 500,000 jobs, 450, 650, I don't think the, ma- the data is going to matter that much, no. at least not the jobs data. I Inflation reckon, data, that might be a little bit different story. I, but look, mate, to be honest, I, I, I think if, if, if the market's going to be cognizant, in, if two weeks or a you know, week or we, we get some 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 he- some headlines that actually the vaccines are are holding up relative to the Omicron. Maybe it happens. Maybe it happens. We don't know. Um, that data will suddenly matter. Everyone will say, well, you know, let's have a look at it. Um, I think that participation sure. rate could be therefore very interesting. Um, I think Powell has resigned himself to the fact that the participation rate is not going back up to 62.5%, 63%. Um, You know, the wage data, I think, could be quite influential. Where markets expecting 5% year on year. If that came out above that level and the participation rate didn't lift, that could be something that in, you know, if Omicron wasn't such a thing, then I would have thought the dollar would go, you know, rally pretty hard as rates sold off. So, yeah, I I think Omicron does put a cloud over it. But I really, I'm really looking at the, yeah, the, the wage data, and I'm looking at the participation rate. I think that yeah could be something good for dollar yen, you know, in terms of that situation. So yeah, I think it's an well, interesting one there. But but we're, one last thing, you know, the thing about Powell this week, he said we're going to ditch the transitory, you know, term. So oh, we're yeah. not even going to use yeah. that anymore. Yeah, oh. screw it, right? Yeah. Well, we've been expecting yeah. we've been expecting to say that for ages. It's just as as rates traders, as VEX traders, we've been waiting for it to happen. And it's great to, to, to finally see that the core of the Fed are on board as well. We feel validated. We've got that metaphorical hard hug that we needed to do, that we've got something right. So it was, it was just a matter of time, I guess, before he turned his, changed his tune to tra- from transitory to, to what we've all been expecting. Right. Well, let's let's turn our attention to the stock market and, and, and let's talk about the S&P. You know, the S&P is really flirting with this really critical 4550 breakout point. It was a massive level on the way up uh, and, and it was a big inverted head and shoulder pattern breakout. It was the neckline. Everybody got bullish and it was great. I mean, really for the, for the month of October, we rallied hard. Now we're testing that breakout point again. And I have to go back to that, um, that uh, fictitious uh, uh, figure, Santa Claus. Yeah. That's his name that we were talking about last (laughs) week. You're going there again. You're going there. (laughs) I know I can't get off Santa Claus, but you know, the fact of the matter is so many people look at the, the seasonals and they say, Oh, well, it's it's Christmas. It's uh we're gonna get the Santa Claus rally. But do we really have to get a Santa Claus rally? I don't know. I'm looking at the market and we closed at some pretty negative levels today. It looked pretty bearish and uh the market internals didn't look good. So I'm looking at stocks. We closed at the 50% retracement of the, the September low to, to all-time high. What are you thinking here, Chris? Do you think that the stock market is gonna is is it gonna pop 
or is it has it topped? What do you think? Well, the the volatility intraday in in you know the the, the Wednesday session was huge, right? The, the overnight session there. So for me, well, overnight for me, um, you know, we saw a three percent high to low effectively in the S&P and something similar for the Nasdaq and that's that's pretty wild right you know it was it was falling well before the news flow you know came out that that the, the, the Omicron had actually hit the US shores and it was it was, it was a thing there which again we all expected but uh, you know one day on one day the market's up the next the next it's down um, it's difficult to, to to get a read on sentiment but um, I, I think yeah if, if we if really if we start pulling back between you know where we are at the moment 4517 which is the 50% of the 40 day high to low this is a level that a lot of the the, the systematic technical guys look at in terms of CTAs then I, then I think there's a really good chance if this continues to drop, then the, the targets we'd be looking for is 4,300, which is the 200-day moving average and the 40-day low. That would be the level that we could potentially get a technical bounce in, into year-end. And that, that technical bounce could come from something like Omicron, you know, getting some, some good news from one of the farmers or from one of the health officials that perhaps you know, it, the vaccines do hold up and the market can have a relief rally into the end of the year. And, and that's where, but yeah, I think if we do continue to sell off and de-risk and de-gross, then I think 4,300 is the level that we're looking for on the downside. Thoughts? Well, you know, 4,300, well, let's not, let's not dis, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you here because I think that we are in a very strong bullish trend. So buying a dip at 4,300, Thinking about time and how long it, it takes us to get there. I mean, if we got to 4,300 tomorrow, I wouldn't be a buyer. No. But if we got to 4,300, like let's say in the next couple of weeks and we kind of drifted down there, that is going to set us up for the Santa Claus rally because he's not going to leave you cold, Chris. He's going <laughs> to he's going to he's, he's bringing gifts for all of us. So but we're going to see a pop right back up into we're going to see a pop right back up into 4,500. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you keep bringing up this cold thing. It's it's. It's very 1950s, isn't it? Like oranges and cold. <laughs> Shine your age there, mate. But uh, yeah, let's. I mean, I think we talk on the S and P, and the natural situation then is to talk about volatility. And you know, you've got this this down move that we've been seeing. Um, and you know, we've been seeing the VIX now holding a uh, closing at 31. percent um, If you look at the vol of vol, the VIX, yeah, it's the highest level since January. So people are hedging themselves. They're bidding up for put protection. Um, they want those downside puts. You know, total open interest in in puts is 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 accelerating. You know, relative to calls at the moment. So people want protection in this market. Hedge funds are de-risking portfolios into year end. Maybe that's the reason why we don't have the rallies because at the moment it's because everyone's de-risking ahead of what is some huge event risk culminating in the CPI number for me. The US CPI number coming on the tenth of of December 11th for us here in Australia. Um, but, you know, you've got the VIX at 31%. The question is, 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 is it, will it hold? Can it push even higher? Because if the VIX is above 30%, um, you know, it's just going to, you're going to see these massive intraday reversals playing through on a, on a vacuum effectively. And for, for us intraday traders, the short-term traders, that has huge bearings on, on how we trade. So I think the VIX has to be on everyone's radar at the moment. How are you, how are you sort of approaching that? You know, well, uh, first of all, the VIX took out this like this kind of like descending trend line. It's I've been looking at it from 2020, pretty much the beginning of 2020 on, you know, post COVID and, you know, right after that. And and the one thing that I do know, and I've been around the markets long enough, Chris, that yeah. when we get above 40 in volatility, the fear factor is really, you know, it's it's pitching at that point yeah. that, you know, if we start seeing volatility above 40, we spend a couple of days above there. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a call seller. I'm going to sell some calls. Yep. Why not? You know, I mean, why not take advantage of the, you know, the fear that absolute, you, you know, when people are, the fear index is just ripping and VIX is ripping, 
you know you're getting close to a bottom. Now, I, I look at price and the S&P as we talked about. You know, maybe the S&P needs to get down to 4,300. Um, it, but if if the if the 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 S&P is down at 4,300, then you 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 add the VIX at 40. I'm all about fading that move. I, you know, again, we're in a really strong bullish trend. I don't think the bullish trend is gonna gonna be down on you know one in one fail swoop. We're dealing with COVID. We already we've already dealt with COVID. Yeah, and we this, know, this we whole know, COVID we know, thing. We know how this ends, right? We know we, we've got a script. Yeah. The difference between this and March 2020, or at least we hope, is that we know the government response. We know the central yeah. bank response. In, in March of 2020, we didn't know what they were going to do. And that, that uncertainty increased the volatility. But I'll take the other side of your trade, to be honest. I mean, I think if we were to see the VIX at, at 40%, um, I would be probably selling uh, selling puts, I think would probably be the best way. And I think buying upside calls, I think would probably be the way that I'd be doing that in the options market. Other than that, I think, um, you know, you could just yeah, sell the VIX, I think, above that level. But also, you know, it's, it's easy just to come out and give an absolute level um, I think you've got to also look at price action at the time because, you know, we could see it going high. We don't know. I think it's always in, when you've got vol at high, it just affects everything that you're doing in trading. You know, you can see mar markets just move, you know, on a dime very, very quickly. And you've got to be prepared for that. And, you know, the one thing I want to say just regarding the VIX, one last thing is volatility is good. You're a trader. I'm a trader. Everybody that's watching this video is a trader. We like volatility. We like up and down. So bring it. Bring it. So, <laughs> all right. So the, the last topic that I wanted to bring up is really the Euro yen. You know, the Euro yen has been on my radar quite a bit. And matter of fact, I was buying the Euro yen as we are near 128. I spun out of it today because I didn't like the close in the market. I took a little bit of a loss, but this is a really, really big multi-year trend line break, retest, big level at 128. And 128 is one of those things that you know, if you if you bought below 128, kind of where we're trading right right now, and you kind of close your eyes, open them up in a little bit, you know, maybe in a few days, you're going to do fine. Are we in a different situation right now because stocks are weak? You know, yields are yields are dropping. I'm not really too sure. You know, people are pretty bearish the euro as it is, mm. um, but the euro again as is at a very pivotal area. So I guess my question to you is: Is it a good buy? Because I use I have a little joke with our clients. Is it a, is it is it a good buy? Do you buy it or is it a good buy house? Good buy car? <laughs> good buy wife? Good buy good buy everything? What 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 do you think, Chris? Um, yeah, I, I don't have a strong conviction on on euro yen because at the moment in in, in a higher volatility environment, uh, you've got this this awful saying of risk on risk off, and 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 right now the funding currencies are, are both just working in unison really it's just a question of which one's going to do better um so i think in a, in a high vol environment you really the, the best way to do it is is really choose something that's going to that's going to really sell off much more aggressively than the euro or you know the yen would for example so i think in a high vol if, if we're going to see continued drawdown if the s p was magically to go down to 4300 then yeah i'd be probably you know i'd, I'd continue to hold uh you know, a yen exposure, but I'll be selling the Aussie, selling, you know, the Kiwi, selling the CAD against that situation. I think that's probably the better way to play that. But look, just quickly, I mean, they're going into the 16th of December, we've got the ECB meeting. Um, yeah, that could be a volatility event. And, and in some capacities, um, if the ECB don't give us the flavor that we need uh, around the asset purchase program, about some of its liquidity uh, mechanisms into next year, the euro is going to rally. And that could coincide quite nicely with what you're talking about there off that trend line. You know the the other thing I want to I want to say about the euro yen in particular is that 
what we've seen with central banks, uh, and you were you were kind of alluding to this point, is they're not flinching. COVID, I mean, you look, we've got this new variant. Is it really that big of a deal? I, I, I'm, I'm going to guess we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks, and it's not going to be too big of a deal. So, yeah. But central banks, oh, well, let's hope so, right? Central banks aren't responding. They're not quick to jump. So what does that tell me? Well, that tells me that rates are probably eventually moving higher. They may be coming down right now. You know, uh, you know, you look at like the ten-year and the and the yen has a nice nice correlation to that. Yeah. But realistically, are rates moving higher because inflation is moving higher over time? I still think you want to find a place for that. Maybe the euro yen is that is that place because we're at an optimal spot, very pivotal pivotal area for the pair. Yeah, I agree. I mean, some good points you've been made there, but uh, I think we. I think what's interesting now is let's take this into the technical side of things and and, and have a look at some of the setups that are on our radar. Let's go to the, it's a setup. Like, I want to talk about the crude market. I, I talk about it like quite often in, in this show. I, I do tend to see a focus, but I do think it is is so integral to, to financial markets at the moment. And, and you know, last week we talked about the idea of, as you can see that with the number one, wanting to, to buy a break and a closing break through that sort of 79.26 level. It didn't come. Obviously, as you can see, the market had didn't want a bar of it and it's really just rejected that 50 day moving average that you can see and 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 really just huge range expansion on the way down through those those recent lows um it looks like we're going into sort of the, the swing low that we got from august um you know and we've dropped 23 percent effectively since the the 10th of november so we're in this kind of technical bull bear market which usually means where it's a buying opportunity but we're coming into 61.75 we've got opec in the period ahead. So a few people who are going to be watching this probably will know the results of OPEC by that time. But at this point, you and I don't. What I was interested in from a fundamental perspective, it's JP Morgan are saying that, uh, that OPEC will continue to push for another 400,000 barrels increase output. Now, given what we've seen from the SPR release, given we're seeing from the price action, if they were to come out and, and say that we're going to continue plodding along with 400,000, then I think that number two, you know, that, that swing low that we saw at 61.75 will be tested, even though we've priced in so much. And I think we, we go down, then I think that could take risk assets more broadly down. The CAD, the Noki would go down as well, and bond yields on the back end would find buyers and, and yields would, would come down. But it's, yeah, obviously we're saying this just before a major event risk. I, I think there's real risks that we go on to test that number two, the 61.75 level at the moment. But this is so integral to me. Um, what do we do? What do you do, mate? Are you selling rallies in this? Are you looking for a, a move high? What's your what's your plan? Well, I think you know my plan is the 200-day moving average, which comes in at the previous channel support, and, and it's not on your chart, but I'll yeah. just kind of map it out for people. Sorry, mate. It's just around the $70 mark. That's where the 200-day moving average is yeah. at on my charts, and so for me. As long as we stay below 70, I think you sell rallies. If you get back above 70 and you hold that 62 level that you're talking about, yep. I think you have to be long because that means that we had a failed breakdown, we held support, and then you want to be long for a recovery. I, I, but I do think while we're below that 200-day moving average, that was a pretty big breakdown point because that was also a channel that I've been following since May of uh, 2020. And so you know, you think about like in a year and a half, that's a good channel that we'd been following. That breakdown was pretty significant. So I think your play with trading it on the short side does make sense. And as long as it stays below 70, that's kind of the, the play I want to take. Well, I think it's, it's tough because if OPEC, you know, for me, OPEC, they should 
uh, put their, their their output plans on hold. I mean, we've just seen the rate of change in this in, the, in this instrument. It's just huge. They should try and calm markets and 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 try and stabilise it. They don't look at absolute levels. I don't think they're looking at swing lows or two hundred day moving averages as a cartel. No. But they've got every reason now to come out and and at least hold it until March. Um, at, at current levels, given the demand cycle. I, I, so I think maybe you get a bit of a bounce um, on that and maybe you sell into that. But, it, you know, the risk is, of course, holding a, a short, uh, holding a long position um, and they do come out and increase their output by another 400,000. Then, then then we go through those lows. And so it, it's a big risk in terms of crude, which is why we're seeing such huge volatility playing through. Well, let's not, let's not forget Biden. Remember Biden, he wants to actually, you know, squash inflation. So, uh, so, you know, keeping a lid on crude might be his play as well. All right. I'm going to take it over to the dollar Mexican peso. And I, I love taco Tuesdays. Unfortunately, it's not taco Tuesday today, (laughs) but I love trading the dollar max. The dollar max is like one of my favorite currency pairs to trade. It's been, I, I mean, it has been a heck of a trading vehicle as of late and, one of the things that I've pointed out for our clients for the last year, it has really diverged as, as equity markets have hit all-time highs for the last six months. The, 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 the rounded bottom that we saw in the dollar Mexican peso was just setting up for a rally that we saw this over the last month, month and a half, and us, you know, well above that um, 21, 2150 level. Now that we're pulling back, I do want to buy a, a a, a test of the 21 level, and that is going to fit in with higher volatility. You know, it's interesting, Chris, we, we, this whole show has been really around equity market weakness, volatility, stocks coming off. How can you express that in currencies? Well, in my opinion, one of the best things to do is to, is to sell Mexican pesos and buy dollars. So I want to buy this on a dip towards 21. That's a 618 of the last leg higher. That's a 618 Fibonacci retracement. That's how I want to play it. So in my book, it's almost taco time. How about you, Chris? What what are you doing with the peso? Because you were you've been pretty active in this pair over the course of the last couple of weeks. Well I took this as a play of the day last week and I wanted to yeah. Buy, buy on a close through 2150 that you know did that had a nice move up into 22 um but it's obviously come back it's pretty flat from where we, we called this last week I think probably the the main the main situation is that when 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 we did see the Nasdaq and the S and P rally on those days where we saw the nice relief coming back into markets because of the Pfizer comment the Pfizer CEO comments and you know obviously South Africans are saying that all the cases we're seeing in in Omicron it's pretty mild you know risk came back in and again you know you, the the problem with being short the Mexican peso is the yield that you're getting there because of the rate differentials you know we got a, up to a point where the implied forward yield in the carry market was was seven and a half percent it's just difficult to be shorter a currency when when equities are rallying and you get a seven and a half percent yield you know the, the carry guys out there the hedge funds are just going to say that's delicious i want a piece of that every day of the week so you know if if you are going to be um long dollar mex in this situation yeah it has to be a situation where vol stays high and equities go low otherwise the mex is just going to be salt because people love 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 the carry on that and that's something that that makes it very difficult if equities rally then it's going to really hurt you so if they continue to go down then bang up it goes and and i think your trade's a good one but yeah i'm out the trade for me just because of that level of carry that just seems so appetizing for traders there so we'll see yeah well it is it's one of those that i definitely watch on a carry basis but as long as i get past wednesday where i get triple carry i'm in so i'm i'm i still like taco Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Tuesday, I'm in. Good man. Good man. Well, look, you know, there's an interesting one. Um, 
your North American uh, brethrens um, up in the, up in Canada, there's been some some pretty nasty weather going on the west coast there. Certainly in um, yeah, British Columbia, where you're seeing situations where lumber shipments have collapsed about 25 to 30 percent. Uh, that's the fundamental reason. But of course, you're seeing that in the price action there, and you can see the breakout. Um, you know, you go back to what we saw beginning of the year, and we saw it just going off on an absolute tear. Everyone was talking about lumber as a as the trade that was happening, a reflection of the U.S. housing market and and shortages and various factors. And it just went on to a, you know the, the bid offer situation in terms of the order book just became one way, and everyone was just buying and no one was selling. And of course, then you get those those liquidity dynamics that just push it up so significantly. So all the CTAs and the trend followers were were all over lumber. The question is, is are we in the midst? of another move like that. Now, we don't have the same macro trade, the different formatics. This is more about what's happening in Canada and, and, and the decline in, in shipments and the weather patterns we're seeing in there. Um, but we've got a breakout and we've got a gap up. And I like that. You've got that, that breakout of the double top that you can see. Um, you know, we've got a, a really nice move there, a nice breakout for, you know, are we gonna, it looks like we're going through nine, 900. I like this to the upside, but of course, if this does pull back, get out the trade straight away. If it goes back through that neckline, then I'm out of the trade. But I, I think this is one that, that we can start with a small, uh, small long position um, as it starts accelerating up. If we start seeing trend follower capital going into this one, um, you know, then you, then I'd be looking to increase my position. But if it rolls back over, then I've lost small. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a really interesting one. The structure looks good. Could you call that a cup and handle perhaps? Um, but it, I was going to say, I was going to say, you have little kids, don't you? Yeah, I've got three of them. <laughs> I, I, I spy with my little eye a cup and handle pattern right yeah. there, Chris. And and I tell you, what I love moves like this. I love explosive moves higher, like we saw back in uh, you know earlier this year, back in May. That move up to the seventeen hundred level, you know, that's great because when you get a, a a nice basing pattern like this, traders have this you know, crazy these crazy dreams that we're going to revisit those levels again. I, like frankly, I don't think we're going to go back up there, but to get to 50% of that move is going to be back just about 1100. And that is a 50% retracement. And that happens to be the target of that. I spy with my little eye cup and handle pattern should take us right back to 1100. So I think this is a great setup, Chris, yeah. you know, and, and also one of the other things on my chart is we are, uh, we are at the 200 day moving average and slightly above it now. So, you know, I think this is a great setup. I really yeah. can't argue with this here. And um, since you have little kids and I, I miss my little kids. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I just, we all spy with our little It's eye. one of those ones that you can start small. The good thing about yeah. these, these commodities is when they go, they go. Catch a ride. If it starts working, you do more of it. Add it onto that. If it, if it rolls back below that that eight thirty three, get out of the trade, and, and you've lost small. But I think if this really takes off, it could be one that trends beautifully, and that's what I want to be involved with. Well, I, I like it, Chris. I, I'm, I'm not going to argue with that one. But uh, this next trade, this is this is this is your your currency here. This is the Aussie dollar, and I this this actually might even fit in with the narrative that you you're looking at with lumber. I, look, I think I think inflation is going to be problematic going into 2022. I think inflation is going to be an issue. I think slower growth is going to be an issue, but I think the Aussie is still going to do well. And this is a currency pair that I've been waiting for a 70 a 70 cent test for ages. That low that you see back there, that post COVID drop. I think that's what we call a generational low. When I say generational, I'm always talking in years of like 20 years at a time. That's about the generation 
the lifespan of a trader, you know, 20 years from front to back. So that's a low that we probably aren't going to revisit unless something crazy happens that is very unforeseen, like a black swan event that we witnessed last year. So the Aussie dollar is coming back into its breakout point, 70 cent level. It's a key level support. I'm a buyer there. It's a 38% Fibonacci retracement. And if I'm right, and the Aussie dollar is going to be bullish for you know, your, your spending power as an Australian is going to be great for the next couple of years. I think the Aussie dollar bounces off 70 cents and revisits 80 and maybe even above that. So that's how I'm playing the Aussie. Yeah. What do you think about the Aussie dollar at these levels? It's hard to buy when stocks are coming down, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, it feels so hard to buy. I remember we're going to Vegas in uh, a number of years ago and Aussie dollar was uh, was 110 and that that felt good. You know, you could, you could, you could certainly make your money straight yeah. 70 cents. It's not that great. And then obviously you go other factors. But yeah, look, I mean, uh, we, we're going to need to see a bounce in China. Um, yeah, the Hang Seng needs to make a stage. I think that really, yeah, you, you've got a, a sort of a, a revert back to a bit of a correlation with, with Chinese markets and, and Hong Kong markets there. So I'd like to see Hong Kong stage a bit of recovery. You know, our, we don't export wood. We export uh, LNG and, and, and iron ore and, and, and factors there. So I'd like to see, you know, iron ore have a bit more of a stage. And again, that may be correlated to, to Hong Kong. And then obviously some just broad dollar weakness. Maybe that comes, but at, don't, at the moment, whether you want to buy off 70 cents is another situation. I want to say, you want to talk about long-term outlooks. Well, if you go and look on a, a valuation metrics, a real effective exchange rate basis or a behavioral exchange rate basis, the Aussie is by far and away the cheapest currency. And these things tend to mean revert over two years. So I think yeah, we don't take two-year views in currency trading, but yeah, the Swiss francs on the opposite, grossly overvalued. If you want to take a long-term view, that's what I think the Aussie's got some, some serious mean reversion. But I, it feels really hard to buy at 70 cents. Maybe it gets that bounce. Um, We'll have to see, mate, to be honest, but uh, it's about levels and it's about how markets behave at those levels. So I'll definitely have this one on the watch list. And if it starts following the bars, then yeah, I'll jump on board. And until that time, it just feels hard. You know, it feels very, very difficult um, to do in that situation. It does. And I, you know, and I'm going to play a little flush out, Chris, I've got some bids down there. They're out there for the next few days. And uh, I just hope I get, I hope I get filled. That's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, great stuff. Okay. Well, we talked about, we talked, gave uh, the US dollar Saffir and I gave dollar Mex last week. Um, but we're going to go into a fresh bunch of ideas. Let's have a look at the play of the day. Well, the first one I'm, I'm going to stand, I'm going to go, I'm going to go up first, uh, Blake. Um, crypto, really interesting for me. You know, it's been this kind of litmus test. I, I, I think crypto is a risk asset. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's obviously a momentum vehicle, uh, and you know that momentum is something that I like to do. So obviously, we as traders, we can be momentum traders, mean reversion traders, trend followers, tactical traders, whatever you want to do, and then obviously take that into your time frame, day trading, swing trading, position trading, scalping, etc. Um, but right now, you know, the crypto is very much on my radar, and Ethereum's really, really interesting. There, we're holding this. Got this. Got this range that's just really nicely been established, forty eight hundred down to four thousand, but basically into four thousand, um, and that range is is is, is holding. That range, if it breaks, very, very powerful. In the short term, I'm just trading this. I'm, I'm you know, I, I want to look to tr try and fade it into 4,800. Look to buy back into into 4,000. But the, the the big conviction trade, and while I've got this on the radar at the moment, it w is is a real. If, if it breaks out of this, then 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 that's really powerful for me. Re I'd really like to see a close through 4,800. Um, and see how it acted, because I think if we're going to see that, then the Bitcoin and also the crypto uh, heads out there are going to love this one. So uh, I think, you know, for me, waiting, if it breaks 4,800, you know, I think that's going to start a, another bull trend in Ethereum, and I want to be involved in that. 
You know, the thing is, Chris, I, as, as an American, I look at, you know, and we, we, Americans in my view are not as powerful as they were, you know, years ago. And that, you know, it's, it's this, the, the globalization has really played a part in this, but I will tell you as a trader in North America, it is really hard for us to short um, cryptos. It really is. And you got, you got to, you know, we, we can't trade CFDs. We have to, we have to have a futures account. If you have a futures account account, you got to, but you know, you, you, you can trade it, but you have to have a, a bigger, you know, dollar amount to, to deposit in, in yep. to trade cryptos. It's difficult. And for the average person that's behind the crypto market, they're just bulls for the most part. And that narrative is still on. Right. So right. I, I, I like Ethereum and I, it's not surprising that it's outperforming. I have some unfinished business that I was looking for as a target in my charts that take us right to 5,000. And that might be a slight little breakout above the highs. And I'd like to see how it acts at 5,000. But I think looking at what you've got, the the, the 4,800 to 4,000 level, is it, it is really important. And that hold of 4,000 4, is huge. Mm. And yeah, if I was long and it dropped below 4,000, I would just be looking for a dip. By the way, the 200-day moving average on my chart comes in at 3,250. So that would be a range extension do you just fit it below that? If it breaks below four thousand, you get a, you be a buyer at 3250 That's it, right at the two hundred day moving average. That is another way you could play this, just yep. in case it does break to the downside. Or if it does break to the downside, maybe that's your target. Yeah. What are you thinking today, then, Blake? All right. Well, the trade I'm looking at is the DAX, and you know this is where I get envious of you guys that have the ability to trade CFDs all the time. But the DAX is dead meat. It's dead meat. It's dead meat, especially if U.S. equities continue to come under pressure. Look, we're trading below the 200-day moving average. We're we're approaching really critical support at that 14,800. You can see it's a nice shelf. I, I call that a support zone. But as long as we trade it below the 200-day moving average, the risk is that we start selling off and we see levels below that 14,800. And then I'd be targeting 138. And I know that's quite a distance away. That's a 161 golden Fibonacci extension of the last move higher. But we got really overbought. We were trying to track U.S. equities as they were hitting all-time highs. The, the DAX, I think, was dragged up by its pigtails to new highs. It's obviously failing below 14.8. We're targeting 13.8. So what do you think here? Chris? Oh, you're at the mercy of uh, headlines, aren't you, in these European markets, as you are with a lot of these equities. But yeah, I think if that 14.8 level goes, then yeah, good night Vienna. I think that, that, that market goes lower and, you know, definitely we want to trade from the short side. That that level of support is, is, is obviously really critical. So yeah, I think people wanting to hold, you know, long DAX will probably obviously want that will obviously want that to hold as we go into Christmas and then hopefully get some positive headlines that the virus, that the vaccines hold up and then maybe you get a relief rally. But if it does give way, then yeah, I think that the short side on the DAX makes a lot of sense um, whether it's dead meat is is obviously yet to be seen but I think yeah through that support levels and, and, and short positions clearly warranted but that's all we've got time for folks we really appreciate you uh, you joining us today we've given you a view about what's going on the S&P and global equities including Blake's fairly punchy call on the DAX there we've talked about the dollar we've talked about crude very interesting. Keep your eyes on that crude market keep your eyes on the, uh, the announcements around OPEC that could cause some wild swings and the VIX Keep that center of your radar at the moment at 31%. If that continues to spike up, that's going to have huge implications for you and I and Blake as traders. And that's all we've got time for. So 
If you found yourself liking the video today, hit the like button and, and guess what? We'll be back, away, back again next week for more setups, more plays of the day. See you then.